0: Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil show for your Wednesday Thanksgiving Eve. Good to be with you today. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Patrick is here. Brett's roaming the hallways here like a gargoyle as well. (laughs) Uh, Stein's going to be here too. That's right. After taking a week off, we've actually made him stay at his radio station for another three hours longer than we wanted to because... You got to do the the gig, so he's going to join us here. I'm sure,
1: happy as a clam, too. I would expect he is going to be extra snarky. Today.
0: Oh yeah, you, you think? Uh, he's he's going to be like the contrarian flag opinion at this point. Uh, we'll get to all that a little bit later on. Patrick, you were here yesterday, so you remember when we were talking about do cars should cars be able to even go over hundred miles an hour? Remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I am stunned at the amount of people who seem to feel as if something they legally can't do and they acknowledge they can't do being taken away from them is somehow the last, this is, you're you're violating the founding fathers, this is every patriotic man, man's freedom, that you should, you apparently that you need to, even though it's illegal, and every one of them says, well, I'm not saying people should and I'm not saying I would do it, but, you know, if you limit people from driving 100 miles an hour, you can't do it anyway. They, they are furious with me because I have suggested that maybe we should have cars that can't go more than 100 miles an hour. I am stunned. Stunned by this. Because it would seem to me that this is a, you know, kind of a, a no-brainer in the realm of, of, yeah, you you probably shouldn't be able to do this. But, yeah, I'm, I, I just don't quite get where you guys are coming from because, to me, this is one of those things where it's a, I, I mean, I, 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 okay, fine. It's something you can't do anyway, and all of a sudden we're just not going to be able to do it. Okay, fine. Um, so I, yeah, I don't have any answers for it. All I know is that I have made a lot of people angry that I didn't think I was going to make angry by suggesting that you can't drive a, more than hundred miles an hour, by the way, to the people there are, I mean, I think there might be some legitimacy to, if you are a fire chief or a police chief. And you have to get to a, a fire quickly. Well, first of all, I, I don't know too many people who are police chief or fire chief who would drive 100 miles an hour, even if they had to get someplace, because that is that is excessive to say the least. But maybe having, you know, if you are within a certain field and you have a, you know, like a badge or you know you're a fire chief or something like that, maybe having an exception for that. But I don't. I, you can't drive 100 miles an hour anyway. The fastest you have in Minnesota is seventy, I believe. I don't think you can go faster than seventy miles an hour. But yet people are like if you don't let us do this, you can't do it anyway. Well I'm not saying you can, but if I can't do it, then you're a commie. Yeah I just don't I don't understand the logic plot problem here.
1: Well, if you think about it too, there's already plenty of precedent because a large a large amount of semi trucks on the road are already governed that they can't go faster than about sixty five. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like this is groundbreaking. And to you know, my response to the well, what about the fire or police chief? I mean it's it's pretty easy to, you know, make an exception to that rule and say, you know, if you're if you you know, we are a government entity. We'd like a vehicle that doesn't have a speed restriction on it. It's like, okay, it's pretty easy to do a background check and say this is a legitimate purpose to have a car that can go faster, not Johnny buying a Chevy out at the, you know, lot in Eden Prairie over here.
0: I think it's Arkansas. I can't say this for sure, but you brought up the semi-trucks. I think in Arkansas a semi-truck can never be in the left-hand lane unless it's complete lane closure and that's the only lane open. They can never be in the far left-hand lane, and they I don't think they can go faster than, I think it's 60 miles an hour on any of the roads in Arkansas. So you already, I mean, if you're not having a problem with that, then I just I I can't for the life of me. I, I guess it's is it's just some sort of testosterone. I might every once in a while decide the zombie apocalypse comes, man. When the zombie apocalypse comes, do you think that a you know nine to nine miles an hour is going to 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 you know be enough there? Okay. How fast are these zombies, man? That that's like Olympic speed. <laughs> that is that zombie's in shape, man. Yeah, he's going for the zombie nation. He's going for the gold this next Olympic cycle. Um stop it. I you know, I I guess I you know, do you have a fantasy is this is so am I am I ruining your fantasy that you could eventually one day just open it up on the highway and go as fast as I can. Uh, sorry. You know, it, it, uh, like I said, and I've I've talked about this, when I was in Germany and you'd go on the Autobahn, every once in a while you'd come and you'd see an accident and there'd be a vehicle like 100 yards off the Autobahn, wrapped around a tree like a bow on Christmas. And you say to yourself, how fast would you have to be going to get to that's where the accident, and of course no survivors, but you know, it's it's... Is that did we violate their freedom? I I don't I I don't know what you I I I think you guys are to a point where you just that that you just have to scream. You hear I'm someone a progressive, I'm liberal, I'm a democrat. You hear me say something it's like no, you, you got to be able to drive 200 miles an hour. <laughs> Safety. Really? I don't, I don't think that that doesn't make too much sense. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 like I said, I'd love to be able to mail it in today. Unfortunately, we actually have actually a lot of breaking news, and I got to start first go up to Niagara Falls. Two people are dead, and a Border Patrol officer was injured when a vehicle exploded Wednesday at the Niagara Falls International Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada, according to two law enforcement officials with knowledge of the matter. The cause of the explosion, the precise location, and the direction the vehicle had been traveling were not immediately clear, The video from the scene showed what appeared to be an inspection booth on the bridge with smoke billing out of the top and debris around it. Governor uh, Hochul of New York and the New York State Police were working with the agency to monitor all points of entry into the state. The streets in the tourist area of downtown Niagara Falls were nearly empty for about a quarter mile as city police, state police, and National Guard troops blocked access to the Rainbow Bridge. Tourists took photos and listened to coverage of the event on the radio. J.P. Ward Brown of Ashboro, North Carolina, said he and his family had been on trolley going through Niagara Falls State Park at the time. The explosion missed from the falls and overcast skies obstructed the view of the bridge. He said his car, his car had been blocked. It was in a blocked lot, and a state trooper took his keys and drove the vehicle to a spot where he could leave. This is all pretty scary, said Ward Brown, who brought his family to western New York for his Thanksgiving holiday. I don't want to think about a 9-11 moment like this, but it's hard. Dominic LeBlanc, Canada public safety minister, declined to say whether the vehicle that exploded had come from Canada because the government law enforcement agencies had received contradictory information. This is a rapidly changing situation, he told reporters. All measures are being taken to ensure that people are being safe. He said that the request of the American officials all four bridges between Canada and the United States in the Niagara area had been closed, including the Rainbow Bridge, Peace Bridge, Lewiston-Queenston Bridge, and the Whirlpool Bridge. The White House said that it was closely monitoring the situation. Biden and the Attorney General Mer- Merrick Garland had also been briefed. The FBI Buffalo Field Office said a special post that the agency was coordinating with local and federal enforcement. Remaining international crossings are open and on heightened alert status. I'm going to presume that's the ones in northern Minnesota as well. Um, with the governor's office, the while well, airports and railway facilities in the area have increased security, there's also additional explosive detective dogs and police patrols, additional screenings being deployed by uh, Buffalo Niagara International. Uh, can, and Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told the House of Commons, we were taking extremely seriously brief comments before he left to get an update on the situation. Uh, that's from the Times from Axios. FBI on Wednesday is investigating the vehicle explosion. Uh, the explosion was on the U.S. side of the bridge, prompted the closure of multiple border crossings and heightened security at the Buffalo Niagara Airport. Um. Rainbow Bridge closed around 11.50 Eastern Time, so about 10.50 our time because of a traffic event, is what they're saying. Witnesses told WGRZ-TV, an NBC affiliate in Buffalo, that a driver was speeding towards the border checkpoint, swerved around another vehicle before crashing, flying up in the air and erupting into a fireball. Ambulances arrived after the explosion, the witness says. Said So far, officials have not reported on any injuries or attributed a cause to the explosion. The coalition's live cameras of the bridge were unavailable around 2 p.m. Uh, the uh, additional cameras showed crossing completely empty of traffic at this point. Um, White House is closely monitoring the situation, so obviously there's some things going on there. Um, the, the Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority, which operates most of the pu- public transit systems, in the uh, Buffalo, Niagara Falls metro area, said the increased security systems uh, wide in response to the explosion. The increased security includes additional checks for vehicles entering into uh, both Canada and the United States. Um, um, so, and, and, and I want to read one update here. Ontario th- and, and Niagara Falls, Ontario, on the Canadian side, three heavy snowballs were blocked to block the, block the entrance of the Rainbow Bridge from Canada. So they're obviously taking it interesting, uh, very seriously. There, Um, the car involved in the incident was speeding towards the U.S. side, towards Canada. It it was. It happened in an area frequented by tourists. But here was one one of the things that, and this is the. the, the law enforcement officials believe, briefed on the incident said investigators believe the explosion resulted from the impact of the collision. The car went airborne and struck a cement pillar, according to the official. A suitcase was found near the car but did not contain explosives. A preliminary investigation has found that the car did not contain explosives, according to law enforcement officials with knowledge of the matter. So what it's sounding like now, I mean, and once again... Very fluid, very under, kind of unknown here. Someone on the United States side tried to speed across the bridge, hit something, flipped, went airborne, and when it crashed, the gas tank on the car exploded, which has happened. I worked at Metro Traffic for many years. I saw stuff like that happen. So it does happen. Um, and, and that, the, so that's what the cause, it sounds like two people are dead. That's the two people that were in the vehicle and one of the border co- control agents was there. So it, it doesn't sound like anything, at least to my, at, at, at this point, I mean, obviously there could be other information, there could be stuff that they're not releasing and that could be easily a case there that we could, uh, to go with, but it does not sound like necessarily a terrorist activity, more of um, you know, as an individual, um, you know, reckless driving towards the international border, I don't, I don't know if they thought they were going to bow and Luke Duke it and jump the thing. You know, it's, uh, I, I have no idea what they thought they were going to do, but that's what it sounds like at this point. Um, it's interesting to see they are not, they are not taking any chances with this though, that even if this was just a case of some individuals that had, you know, just decided to try to cut the line um, mm-hmm. that they basically um, they're they're treating it like it is indeed, you know, there might be an international element to it. So that obviously it's going to be a case there. Um, So. Yeah, they, they it confirmed this car involved in the incident was speeding from the U.S. side towards Canada, so it wasn't coming in from Canada. Uh, a senior law enforcement official said, speaking in the condition of an anonymity, discussed the investigation. Um, of course, the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States, one of the busiest travel days of the year in the U.S. Canadians actually celebrate Thanksgiving in October, um, so that, that's you know quite a quite a bit earlier than us. Um, but once again, the the. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported that several American and European tourists were now stranded in Niagara Falls, Ontario, after crossing the bridge and foot to view the falls from the Canadian side of the Niagara River. I'm hoping at some point today they'll open this up and people will be able to get back across into the United States or into Canada, respectively. There, um, yeah, apparently, and and there it's become a police, you know, police uh, a, a tourist attraction on its own. The amount of police by the Rainbow Bridge. In Buffalo, a few tourists took pictures of patrol cars and military vehicles. Some posed for selfies. Uh, no traffic currently is on the bridge. Um, you know, so, And once again, a Border Patrol officer is the one that was injured. It sounds like the two people died were in the vehicle. That flipped, took airborne and exploded when it hit a concrete pylon, which seems like it was part of the booth there on the bridge. So, uh Hopefully that's all. I mean, it's it, it's. I'm hoping. I think hoping this is all it is. It's just an individual who was a knucklehead and tried to to do something really stupid, and and ended up being in a tragedy. Um, all my best to the border guard agents, both the United States and Canada, up on the Minnesota border. Hopefully no problems for you there. Uh, and just if you are going to be heading on out, I mean, obviously if you're leaving from the Twin Cities Metro. You know, how long is it? What is it up? Sixty one. Is that a? That's three. It's two and a half to Duluth, so it's another two there. So like four and a half hours up to Canadian border there. Yeah, I'd probably give it about five. Five. Yeah, if you're going up towards Thunder Bay, just in. You know, you're leaving now. What the conditions are going to be? I'm going to anticipate a heightened security at the Canadian border. So if you're heading into Canada or if you're one of our Canadian listeners, what's that all about there, eh? If you're doing that and you're heading into the United States, uh, you're probably as well going to just see some extra traffic, some extra delays there. Uh, just keep your mind about you and uh, all my best as you're heading there. And once again, a breaking news. So if we have anything that comes down on that, for the rest of the show, I'll let you know. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. A we'll little talk about airplane travel before we get to Stein. We'll get to the Stein coming up here before your turkey day right here on AM 950.
1: You're just another... AM
0: 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. You know, one of the things that has been very interesting with particularly TikTok. And I know, you know, there's a lot of people at China, it's a Chinese company, but you know, it's it's dangerous. You don't want to go there. A lot of people are still there. And one of the things that is has been interesting is how people have really kind of taken on the airlines. And I, I think this is actually a offshoot of what happened last christmas was it when southwest airlines basically collapsed you know they they basically their entire system collapsed and yeah they they you know what was one time one of the better uh carriers in the united states was just they looked like they were completely incompetent and couldn't run a, a dang thing um but yeah they they really kind of took it on the jaw and you know, people said, you know, when when there are all these people that were getting their flights canceled and their, their, um, they're, they're you know, kind of they're being told, oh, you can't do this. People started educating people, particularly at TikTok, about the rules that they have to abide by. Uh, Channel 4 got to the CBS News travel editor, Peter Greensburg. He spoke to them. He reminds travelers that weather might be out of your control, but that doesn't make you powerless if you're delayed or canceled. Passengers should keep a good paper trail, be good reporters, get names, addresses, phone numbers, and titles of any individual you talk to. If it's maintenance, they'll tell you. If they're missing a flight crew member, they will tell you. If there's no jetway available and they're delayed, They'll tell you that was not whether that's not something, nothing that you did. And there should be some compensation for that. And if the flight is canceled for any reasons, you're entitled to a full refund. By the way, can I talk about, uh, you know, the, so when I landed, when we landed from our flight from new Orleans uh, a week ago, Monday night, we were stuck at the gate because they couldn't find somebody to come on out and operate the jetway to attach to the plane. As a matter of fact, they had the same thing happen in New Orleans when we flew down there. That I don't know if they were short on, you know, on runway crew or what the deal was, but they didn't have anyone that could get the, the you know, and what I'm talking about is the, the the extractor gate that comes from the building that attaches to the plane. They couldn't find anyone that could operate it. And, you know, I I mean, we weren't connecting hitting a connecting flight per se, but, you know, there were people on that flight that were. And so, you know, they have to get off that plane and get to their next gate. And if you're at the the, the Sun Country Terminal versus the Delta Terminal, you got to, you know, and you have to jump down. And that's not a quick thing. You got to get over there. And so you have to move. That's not your fault. And so, if they don't have that, that I means if they come back and they say it's going to cost you extra money to because you missed your connecting flight, well, that's not on you. That's on them. So um, you know, just you y- make sure you do understand you do have some rights as an airline passenger. That I don't think the airlines they've done a very good job of making it seem like. I think in this day and age of getting things on Travelocity and Orbits and online through clearinghouses. The mentality is you don't have rights because you, you chose to ch- take the cheapest flight, the cheapest seat on the cheapest flight. Henceforth, you've got to sit down and take it. The reality is, is you do have some rights there. Some of the other things the guy suggests, uh, check your flight status before you leave the airport. Make sure you, there's a spot for you to park. Look for security wait times. <laughs> I've heard some stories. There's a little bit of weight at some of the... The, the checkpoints. If a flight is canceled for any reason, you can uh, cancel the ticket and get a refund. If you want to keep flying, call the airline to book online instead of waiting in line. Uh, your credit card also is a good resource uh, for travel times. So there you go. There, there's some good things there. I mean, it's, it is one of, if not the busiest travel weekend of the year. I already, I know so many people that who are either driving out of town or having family coming into town. Whatever the case may be, first of all, be careful out there. And if I can say, because it was it Blue Stem Prairie had the story out earlier this week that South Dakota leads the nation in drinking and driving incidents over the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, nice job, South Dakota. Um, you might want to clean that up there. Heaven forbid we get in the way of your, your governor trying to be a vice presidential candidate, but maybe just maybe, you know, I can just, I can just tell you the last two years have shown me South Dakota is an absolute freaking mess. I mean, it's a Republican right-wing fantasy world, but it's a mess. And that state is, bit, is poorly run. That being said, getting back to the point, uh, don't drink and drive. Um, I'm coming up here on that one year anniversary of getting hit by a drunk driver don't drink and drive. You you, you know, it's it, it, at least I, I can say this for sure in the metro area. You got Uber, you got Lyft, you got cabs, you got public transport. You can walk. Why are you drinking and driving? Why? You have a friend who doesn't drink. They can give you a ride. There is no reason for you to drink and drive in a large metro area. Not anymore. There just isn't. That's just, that's just laziness and self-centered arrogance. You're doing it. You get out, and and I'm not saying it's justified out in rural parts of the country, but in in, in a metro area, you have so many options to get from point A to point B. You never have to actually drive. In rural parts of the country, I get it. It's a little more difficult, but that doesn't give you any justification to endanger not only your life but the life of other people, like a drunk driver nearly killed me. So please be careful. Don't drink and drive drive safely. You you just, this is not how you do not want to spend your Thanksgiving weekend in this kind of a mess. Now that all being said, you know, fly sane, try to keep your wits about you at your, at the airport, try to keep your wits about you at the Thanksgiving table, especially when that uncle comes in and is like, let me tell you why things were so much better under Trump. (laughs) What? What? Especially for the babies when they were kept in cages. Oh, those were nice cages, so much better for them. You know, no, 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 no. How many people died of COVID because of Trump's mismanagement? He got an inferior complex because doctors knew more about medicine than he did. He was horrible, horrible. Anyway, that being said, don't don't let it get to you enjoy what i'm going to predict will be the packers getting destroyed by the lions tomorrow in the first game is that, what's that? okay so it's a packers lions what's the
1: second game today uh, tomorrow there we've got the washington commanders and the dallas cowboys that will be an ugly game <laughs> uh what's the last game that night uh the so seattle
0: seahawks host the san francisco 49ers okay we got a good one we got one good one there you go that last game sounds pretty good there you go and you know, just eat early and prepare yourself for that I personally, if I can make the recommendation, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one of the better movies you'll ever see. And one of the few movies you'll find that's actually a Thanksgiving-based movie that's not a slasher movie. So there you go. You know, it's, it's, it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. By the way, did you ever see the scene in that movie? They did not put in it of John Candy in the airport, smoking a cigarette, eating a chili dog. And just doing a—it's one of the greatest bits of acting I've ever seen in my life. It's unbelievable they did not include that in the film.
1: Yeah, I have heard of that. That is a uh, very shocking indeed. <laughs>
0: just an—you've got to go see the outcut that they did not put in *Planes, Trains, and Automobiles* of John Candy in the airport. It is. One of the greatest scenes I've ever seen uh, Jeff Stein, we'll, when we come on back We'll talk some politics with him on your Thanksgiving Eve 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950 up. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Jeff, Jeff, Jeff,
1: Jeff
0: Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert and noted author. You can find his books over at nextchapterbooks, totallyiowa.com, the Iowa Politics Report, and the Iowa Business Report. Come to him, come to us via the KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where apparently, Jeff, are you sitting in an abandoned, empty radio station right now at this point?
2: There is no one for miles. Okay. And it is fantastic. Oh, it is, actually. I mean, I'm (laughs) not. I mean, they, they, you know, people who. Theoretically, we're working today. Checked out well early. They yeah. closed the office at noon, and and the rest of the stragglers have made their way. And it's just me and the kingdom. I survey. Basically, it's me and all my friends. So it's an empty building.
0: Well, it's it, it, You you work too much.
2: I will say here, uh, our crew look here. At you well, look at you. You could have stayed in New Orleans, yeah. but no, you came back because you care about the audience well
0: it it, you know it was starting to lose its luster
2: uh (laughs) well that's not really what it was but okay
0: i will say this i could eat there for a month and not get tired of the place that's for sure but no it it was it was nice little trip and this is the best part about trips you come back home that's the nice part about them i don't don't want to be one of those guys living off on the side of the highway in vegas saying i'm going to love it here uh it's uh, that's not my my game plan uh what is your thanksgiving plans Oh, I don't
2: have any plans at all.
0: You don't are no, you having turkey or any what, any kind of meal or just
2: well, I'll eat. I I'll th- th- well, eat, thank but, goodness. You know, <laughs> well, we don't have big families. We you know, it's just it's you know. I will promise you I will not come to the radio station.
0: Well, that's that's the least you can do, for goodness sakes. I mean, what is it, a Stouffer's pot pie for you? I mean, I'm actually I got a turkey, a twenty plus pound bird I'm brining right now that I'm going to be cooking up. Uh, you know, I got I've,
2: I've got you know over ten people coming to our house. Do you, do you do you need a brining permit there in the Twin Cities? Mm. I, I was. You know. Is this something you need in Iowa? <laughs> I, I, you know, well, I've got a 10-pound bird that I'm prying. Okay, whatever that is. The spot for the Park Tavern, though, made me want to drive up. Okay. That's fantastic. With bowling afterwards? Oh, I love
0: my the, God. oh If you've not done the holidays over there, they're fantastic. We've done yeah. Easter a few times over there. Great fun. You go do the Easter, and then you get the bowling. So, yeah, go do the Thanksgiving thing and get the chance.
2: Well, all right. Here, uh, this is the thing. If If I say nothing else today, I'll say this.
1: As God is my witness... Yeah. I thought
0: turkeys could fly. It's still, one of the greatest moments ever <laughs> in television history: WKRP in Cincinnati, the Turkey Day episode.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, I might They're have to dropping watch. Dropping like bags of wet cement. Oh, I've got sort of like the Republican uh, majority in Congress. It's dropping come. like bags of wet cement.
0: Ah, couldn't do it better, my friend. All right. <laughs> So you have you were not here last week, uh, but we you know I wanted to touch base on on this whole thing because once again out of the blue Johnson uh, uh, Speaker Johnson it looks like he's going to be Johnny tough guy we'll shut it down we're gonna we're gonna do all this stuff then out of the blue and I do mean out of the blue we have a deal with Democrats we're going to get this done we're going to pass it and walk out of there basically the same exact thing that Speaker McCarthy had done. Um, but it's worse. It's actually because I don't think he got. I don't think Johnson really got anything in return on this. And no, won't
2: and in fact, what they did was, if they had done this deal with McCarthy, it would have been for a shorter period of time. Instead, the Pelosi Schumer budget that they all ran against, that spending is in place until, in some cases, mid February, the fifth month of the fiscal year. So the big thing that they all said was horrible now is in place almost halfway through the next fiscal year. So good job out of those guys. Well done.
0: It just takes basically four of these clowns and if Santos survives it might be down to 3. Uh it just takes a, you know you know a few of them to basically say enough's enough. Do you think you know Johnson quite smartly, you know, gaveled the house closed, they all ran past back to their districts without but but Chip Roy came on out and I'm not a big fan of Chip Roy. I mean, that dude is way out there. But he did does make a point when he went after the Republican Party saying, what have we done that I can campaign on? The Republican Party has done nothing outside of preen and and argue and fight and say, I'm more conservative than you are. And we're going get to you, get you back for not doing what we want to do. I, you know, there, there really is a, you know, he got him out of there, but they're really kind of stumbling into the end of this year.
2: I'll say this about Chip Roy. He voted to keep McCarthy in, not because he liked McCarthy, but he thought they needed to try to play that hand out the way it was being set up. And I think he believes everything he says. And you can't say that about every politician. I agree. Right?
0: I will say that Chip Roy, uh, you know, you can tell by the, the the look of craziness in his eyes. Yes. Yeah. I think he does believe in everything he does say.
2: Yeah. But how many of these people have we seen, you know, and I don't care at what level where, they say what's expedient, and, and you just know it's vacant. Well, he at least believes it. I'll give him that. Now, here's the difference. The only thing I can tell, Matt, that's a difference between Mike Johnson and uh, Kevin McCarthy is that people think they can still believe Mike Johnson. You hear this over and over. This whole situation is nothing more than an, an indictment against Kevin McCarthy because the the promises that had apparently been made had not been fulfilled or he promised anything to get the job. And we knew that that wasn't a surprise, but the, the members who are going along at this point without too much argument are basically saying, look, I can still at least believe him when he says something. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Talk about, you know, confirming everything we thought about what a skunk McCarthy was, but let's look at the, <laughs> the, the, the shrinking majority. Uh, Well, it was five, right? At the start of the session, five-vote majority? Okay. One individual resigned because his, his wife was quite ill. Yes. That seat will be reclaimed because the special election was just held. Santos is on by a thread. You have all these Republicans now saying that he should resign. And now you have an Ohio congressman who is going to become president of Youngstown State University, who is going to resign, but not until March, which is either time to get some of these issues taken care of or time to get a special election in because it's a very red district. That's the East Palestine district. But let's say they don't have a special election in that situation. Let's say that Santos is booted out. They're, you know, If there's a delay in the, in the special election to replace the, the, the one I just mentioned, You're getting down here to where it's going to be jump ball time pretty soon because heaven forbid somebody has the flu and can't make it someday because they got rid of remote voting.
0: Yeah. Well, and they and one of the things which I find to be, you know, Matt Gates and that crew saw this mm-hmm. and they tried their whole goal was that we can control the whole thing because we they need all of our votes. The reality is, is it's been interesting to watch the Republican Party not necessarily cater to them. I mean, I still think they're fairly betrothed to that far right of the party, but there comes the point when it's it, they, there clearly is some things that they're trying to. We do not want to be anchored to them when it comes to general election time. But that being said, it's I just I I mean, I don't see how Johnson, when they do get back, my guess is going to be they're going to try to get rid of him.
2: Oh, boy. And, and, and by so the way, and,
0: and, and can I say and I'm wondering if this quick olive branch with really no concessions to the Democrats was a signal to them saying, hey, I might need 20 of your votes. Make sure I get them if this comes up again.
2: And what it also did was kick everything past the holidays. None of this, okay, we've got a deadline before Thanksgiving. Oh, now it's before Christmas. Whoops, now it's before New Year's. We've all seen that. And this was a matter of saying, and I've said, look, if you wanted to have leverage, keep lawmakers in town and hold their holidays hostage. I mean, I I think that, you know, what's what's a deadline worth otherwise, right? But uh, by virtue of just kicking it ahead until mid-January, basically, it's like, okay, we're not going to have the histrionics and drama. We'll figure it out. We'll be adults. But that said, I cannot see anything that suggests that the situation, Matt, in January, when the first uh, of the two tiered, the latter uh, comes due, I don't see anything that suggests that it's going to be any different then. There's not going to be a magic solution. They don't have votes. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing. And the other thing that's going to, that you should watch, as early as next week, this is the time of year when folks opt not to run for re-election. You're coming up with filing deadlines. That's why Joe Manchin dropped when he did, etc. Um, Santos is a whole different situation, but the mm-hmm. point is pretty soon they're going to have to be up or out. How many Republicans want to be running for re-election in the U.S. House with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket? No. I would, I mean, I would. There, were, there were a number who dropped in 2020. Now, I'm not casting aspersions about anyone. I'm simply saying how many of them, I mean, college presidency is a sweet gig. You're yeah. The guy in Ohio, yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's not right? a bad
0: one. That's a, that's a good one.
2: But you could have said no, because being a congressman is a pretty good deal, too, unless you had to face reelection. Well, I'm just it, saying that, that this the, the group of Republicans who are going to try to solve this issue, you may have a large number of them who aren't. Running for re-election, okay. What does that do to this whole dynamic? Does it allow them to be even further to the extreme and hold up the process, or are they going to be just kind of phoning it in and and do whatever uh, their future lobbying partners want them to do?
0: Well, and let's just be honest, they're not going to get a budget passed out of that house because there's no way on the planet that. If if they go with the the, the Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert side of the party, that they are basically going to put out such an atrociously toxic poison pill of a bill, they won't get enough Republican votes to get that passed. But to get it to where you get enough there where you're going to have enough Democrats to help get it through – I think that will poison the water hole for the Republicans also. So I mean there this is I mean this is kind of nice we get to talk an old school political problem. Their lack of being able to get together a comprehensive budget is going to cost the Republicans dramatically because Chip Roy once again although I highly disagree I'm with him on a lot of things, he was right when he was sitting there saying, what has the Republican Party done that I can campaign on? And they they've got to start bringing in some level of results and frankly they just it's not Biden or the Senate that's stopping them. It's their own um, um, incompetent methods that they're working with right now.
2: Well, and if you figure that Johnson can come up with a budget that will appease half of his caucus and enough Democrats so that it leaves, for example, the IRS agents intact, but it cuts something else or it adds border or whatever it may be then you do have, as you said, uh, a possible uh, toss him out on his ear as speaker as well. But if he's gone that far, is that with the promise that he'll have enough Democrats to save him just because we are in a tenuous time uh, in the world? Mm -hmm. And then you've really... This is the problem that we have with with such hyper-partisan politics. Because if you want to govern, governing takes compromise. Governing requires meeting all sides. And when you've got a population that is essentially split a third to this side, a third to the other side, a third in the middle, well, you've got to do something to where everybody has to walk away unhappy. If if one side is doing a victory dance, then it's a bad deal. But the problem is if you try to compromise, then good luck on the next election.
0: Well, and here's the other problem that you brought this up. (laughs) CNN just released some audio of Speaker Johnson back from May of last year, where he basically called abortion a holocaust, which is, once again, you and I have talked about this. 40 years of you guys screaming you're going to get rid of it, that kind of rhetoric, all of a sudden it's gone, all of a sudden you're on the wrong side of the public opinion polls, and you're frantically trying to paint yourself here. We're not talking 10 years in the past. We're talking a year and a few months ago. He is the speaker once again, a bellwether for the party that you can point to. Here is audio of him saying, you know, clearly talking about how abortion rights are on the ballot are, are, are something that he's 100 percent against. Y- you know, you and I have talked about this. It's not going to get any easier. This is getting to be a much more complicated problem. and The fact that you and I can be here Thanksgiving before this election and see so many holes in the road for the Republicans to fall into is really pretty, fairly spectacular at this point.
2: Well, you can't really hold those comments against him. He wasn't speaker then and he didn't think he'd be speaker or anyone would notice.
0: Oh, they're doing a they're doing their best to hide everything <laughs> that dude's ever said. They are I'm like sorry. having to pry with a crowbar out finding crates in the back of
2: the warehouse. I mean, I, that's where I almost at. got through that with a straight face, uh, but I really couldn't. Uh <laughs> it, it, the the problem again is that there's no plan. There was no plan of how to go forward. And you know, we have talked about this for decades. Whenever, in a, as a rhetorical device, you start invoking Hitler and Holocaust. Yes. There's nothing that's going to come, nothing good comes of this. Okay? And I understand the rhetorical point. I get all of it. But you're either going to have to have your big boy pants on as you hold that gavel and say, I stand by this. Or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he started strong by saying the right things for that base. Now let's see if he holds, because it's it's so much easier. Okay, look, you and I have talked on the radio for a long time. Dear Lord. God, has it been a long time. Sweet Jesus. I mean, I am so sick of the sound of my own (laughs) voice, much less yours. Hi, Jeff. (laughs) But the point here is we can tell them what to do. Yeah. And it's a lot easier sitting here talking into a tin can. Yes, it is. Doing it is hard. Okay, that's I I freely acknowledge that. But when you're in the position, when you've put your hand on the Bible, taken the oath, put your hand on whatever book and, and take the oath. And you know, you gotta be able to to back this up. And you can't just start you know, firing out sentences when you're a junior lawmaker and not hold to it when you're the speaker. Or else, guess what? You just got co-opted by the swamp. You just went Hollywood. You aren't what we sent. And there you go.
0: A man who attacks a turkey like Lauren Boebert at a Beetlejuice musical. Jeff Stein joining us here once again on your Thanksgiving Eve show. Let's take a break. Come on back. We got to talk about Trump because that dude is i don't know if he's mentally all there and we have to really start talking about this jeff stein joining us on a wednesday am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota the matt McNeil show jeff stein joining us for his usual political visit i'll tell you what jeff if someone gives me a thousand dollars for charity I'll take my roasted turkey. I will find a theater. We'll put night vision on the cameras, and I'll reenact Lauren Boebert at Beeble Juice only with a turkey drumstick, okay?
2: (laughs) Well, um, let's see. Happy (laughs) Holidays. What's really, really funny is that... that People still take her seriously. Yeah, yeah, really not. It is. It's and, it's and in reality,
1: I really don't know how to describe it.
2: But that's one of shouldn't have let me near the drops. <laughs> uh
0: oh, it's the morning zoo. Uh. <laughs> uh
2: by, by the way, as as uh, in the break, I got an email indicating that Donald Trump will be doing a rally at a place called Whiskey River in Ankeny, Iowa, a week from Saturday, and then he will be at a community college in Cedar Rapids want to go
0: uh no uh okay so uh, (laughs) um they they have cameras
2: they have i think they have food and drink at whiskey river
0: Uh, well but i'm going to uh, no i don't okay let's talk (laughs) about trump for a quick sec sure Sure, he goes and does these rallies because i mean a lot of time i mean joe biden says one thing out of line everyone's like oh he's lost it he's old he's he can't he can't function have you listened to trump's speeches it's the one down in Texas, there was the whole wheel wall section, which made no damn sense. And then he got into talking about the, the, the PP tape and and an extended conversation with the crowd about this that just meandered and kind of, there have been multiple times where he is just, he doesn't make any sense at all. He just is, you know, it seems to be I don't know where he's at. There have been times, it's not the entire time. No. There, there's that he does say things that are you know you can understand and follow, but almost every speech now he does. There's kind of the free form moment where it basically is like jazz. You have to to hear it, you know, you know, kind of all over the place. And I'm kind of stunned at this point. And like I said, I'm watching these tapes. I'm like, how come people aren't pointing out this does not seem right?
2: Well, you know. Jazz is America's pure form of music. Yes. And so um, I I watched him at a, on TV, I didn't go, uh, at a rally at uh, the Fort Dodge, Iowa High School gym last week. And it was a very small venue on purpose. And then he went up to the crowd and signed things, et cetera. But now these videos that he's doing, I mean, he's claiming credit for getting Chuck Grassley elected. Chuck Grassley has been a member of the U.S. Senate since 1980. Okay. You know, I mean, he's, it, he's starting to invent things and it's more of just kind of a you know an embellishment but that's the thing they've been digging Biden about for years is that he's making stuff up as he goes along so you're right it's it's starting to sound like the same thing and i'm starting to get the feeling you know like like i'm showing up at coffee time at the at the senior center and these two old uh, old boys are are battling each other over a cup of coffee and somebody's going to roll throw a cinnamon roll
0: well, and and i it's not just me. I mean, I, it's easy to say, okay, well, Matt, you, you're you a little biased, but I'm hearing a lot of moderate Republicans who are starting to say, is anyone else listening to this? Because it doesn't, I mean, it's one thing with the, the embracing of fascism, which is really kind of scary, but it's the fact that the, the person, I, I
2: wonder how mentally well he is. Well, he's a very stable genius. He told <laughs> you that. Uh, 215 time, pounds but- of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the biggest problem is, and we heard this last summer, uh, you know, party pros are saying this is not going to be good for the party if he's at the top of the ticket. It's only gotten worse, those concerns. And the concerns are not just he might win the White House and it could be a bloodbath for Republicans down ticket. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of coattail effect that is in reverse, where he might be able to win on the sheer force of his own personality, despite everything you've just mentioned. But it's going to be a tragic situation for anybody else with an R by their name. Potential Min- in Minnesota, we got no Senate races this time around. So
0: yeah, it's it's definitely that top of the ticket's going to really impact the rest of the races. So uh, and I'm I don't see a lot of Republicans really happy about Trump in Minnesota. Not saying they aren't, but I'm just saying they're not. They're keeping it somewhat quiet. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I do hope you have a sure. wonderful day off and do not go to the office, all right?
2: I promise, I will not go to the office.
0: I'll post the Iowa Politics Report a little bit later on. Hour two of the show that's coming up next.
2: Hi, this is Laura. Listen to Food Freedom Radio every Saturday at 8 a.m. or anytime via podcast. Our individual health is connected. Connected to the health of each other and connected to the health of the earth.
0: Hour number two of the show here on... Your Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. A reminder, we've got best of shows for you tomorrow and on Friday. I hope you have a nice holiday time off. Uh, We will be back with live shows starting on Monday. And uh, some big news coming up for the show here. We'll talk about that next week, okay? we got some big news coming in. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Did you see... I'm going to save the flag talk for a little later. I got. To, I want to kind of go out on a on a lighter note here. I, I but uh, but I one quick thing before I get to a main story here because I got to read. I'm going to read a whole story here in just a second because you got to hear this to kind of believe it. But I want to mention. You see, they're going to open up the U.S. Bank Stadium for people. I think it's twice a week, Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday, they're opening up for four hours, and you can pay 15 bucks to go in there and, I guess, rollerblade or run during the winter.
1: I did see this, yes. Okay.
0: How much money did we spend on this thing? Um, we spent a few, like a billion, I, I think we, when you look at all the infrastructure improvements we had to do with, like, sewers and electrical and Wi-Fi and stuff, I think it's close to $2 billion. We did some math numbers a long time ago it's a lot of money that taxpayers of this state, the taxpayers of Minneapolis, the taxpayers of Hennepin County and the taxpayers of the state had to put forward to do it and of course we still have you know we you know the 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 pull tab stuff but the reality is is that this is called the people stadium that there is this idea that you're going to be part of the culture and stuff you're charging 15 bucks a pop to go into that dang thing and and I'm trying to remember when the Metrodome was there. I thought that was free. I think you just had, you know, I thought that was relatively free, if I remember correctly. Some people have said no towards the end, they were charging, but, you know, some, and some people have said, well, Mac, come on, $15, that's that much. You know, that's, they need to pay for people to clean the place up. Oh, okay, wait a minute. If like 100 people come on in there, and so they're going to make 15 bucks off each one of those people. That's $1,500. I guarantee you it doesn't cost $1,500 to clean that place. I mean, they probably got three guys out there paying, you know, getting paid too much money to clean it up. And plus the fact that they're going to make this point. Hey, maybe as a big freaking thank you to the state of Minnesota for giving a billionaire a massive stadium, maybe, just maybe, you don't charge us at all. You say, hey... Out of the goodwill and benevolence of the Will family. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't finish that statement sentence. Uh, God. Yeah. It's bad enough that they went after the Gopher baseball team and kind of booted them out. And that was supposed to be part of the deal. But I guarantee, I, mean, I guarantee you next time when, when they, need, they need a hat in hand, it's like, you know, you know we need you guys to help. It's the People's Stadium. We're so willing to work with you. Just give us 15 bucks before you can get in the damn People's Stadium. They're not living check to check. Let's just be honest about it. They're making a mint off that taxpayer money. They are making a mint off of it, and yeah, and it's uh, yeah nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So I was stunned, <laughs> stunned when I read uh, this Dina Winter story from the Reformer about what happened up in Blaine, and I'm going to read this because the, the I I interpret this not just as a city that may or may not be trying to cover up a sweetheart deal for the mayor, because I think there's a legitimate question on whether or not they're trying to cover up a sweetheart deal for the mayor. But the way this comes across is frankly racist as heck. And I know that there, I mean, it's okay. So we shouldn't know about Blaine. Blaine is mostly a Republican run city. They got one Democrat who's on the city council up there. And yeah, the mayor of Blaine is an investor in a baseball themed restaurant going up near a planned massive sports entertainment district. That may include a taxpayer subsidized minor league baseball stadium. Now, I I'm going I don't know if you're going to get um maybe a Northern League team. I don't think Major League Baseball would put a minor league team in Blaine. I don't think even if it was a rookie ball or an A ball team, I don't think Major League Baseball unless it was a Twins affiliated team, I don't think they would put those teams there. So my guess is if you're looking at building a minor league baseball stadium, you're looking at like the Northern League or something like that, where the Saints used to play and maybe putting a team there. But needless to say, so this is a baseball themed restaurant. The city of the mayor of Blaine is an investor in right next to a massive sports entertainment district, which could include a minor, a minor league baseball stadium that could be taxpayer subsidized. Okay, seems like a conflict of interest to me, but you know, that's just me. I did work on my city and my planning and zoning. Uh, I was on my city's planning and zoning committee for four years. This would be a huge red flag for me. If this was my city and this came in front of us, it wasn't. And if I could say when I was on planning and zoning in my city, and which by the way, I highly recommend you get involved in your city committees and stuff like this. It is actually very gratifying because you are helping your local community. And I think that that's a good thing. When I interviewed with the mayor to get on the planning and zoning committee, the first thing the mayor looked at me and said is I don't want people that have an agenda. I don't want people here that have, you know, a a plan or think that they can basically, you know, use this. And I was like, I I don't have any intention on doing that. And he led, I mean, to my knowledge, that mayor never once had a conflict of interest, anything close to this that they have in Blaine. And so, yeah, It and, and when you are doing something like this, when you have something like this, the onus is on the mayor to prove that there isn't any, you know, footsie going on under the table. Okay? The, the, the mayor themselves should be the one out there saying, okay, I, I can see how people can look at this and say, you know what, is this some sort of grift? It's not, I've got my books open, here's the deal. And, you know, if, if people are really concerned about this, maybe I'll sell my stake in this and not be part of it. Fine. But that's not what the Blaine City Council did, not even close. Mayor Tim Sanders, a former GOP state representative, is one of the investors in a restaurant called The Ballpark, which will have batting cages and live entertainment, which is now a vacant Gander Mountain building. Um, so, you know, obviously a need for investment there. I mean, if you've got a vacant building, but the question is, is someone buttering their bread here? Meanwhile, the city plans to redevelop the 105th Avenue area with a new public space, hotels, three apartment buildings, offices, retail, and a hotel and a parking. It's meant to capitalize on the adjacent National Sports Center, a massive sports complex. If you've never been up there, it is a massive thing. They, as a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why Central Avenue is an absolute mess to drive up into Blaine. They need to fix that as well. City documents say a developer will build residential commercial office and hotel buildings, parking structures, and additional public improvements to be owned and maintained by the city. Construction is slated to begin next year. Um, the documents say the city will finance $30 million of the project by selling general obligation bonds. The city spokesperson said at the time, the city does not intend to repay the bonds with direct taxpayer dollars. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I might've missed a class in the city government, but direct taxpayer dollars, I'm going to guess what your meaning is. You're going to have a tax on beer or meals or something like that, or something else that has nothing to do with it to basically pay for it. But still you can say it's not direct taxpayer dollars. It's taxpayer dollars. And maybe it's a parking you know, fee that you have to pay to go to the National Sports Complex, which great. The city has also agreed to finance $12 million to pay for 10 new artificial turf fields for the National Sports Center. Okay. The Blaine City Council passed both the restaurant's permit and plans for the larger sports entertainment complex during a raucous meeting on Monday night. Some residents question whether Sanders has a conflict of interest, and they say the restaurant project won earlier approval in March with little public notice, while a now vocal council opponent was out of town. Okay, so there to tell me to tell you the truth, there's another huge red flag. Once again, red flag number one you're the mayor, you want to develop a private property that's going to be next to a major development, which you are clearly on the inside, on the cahoots on, because you're part of the mayor. You know that that big baseball complex is coming over there. So there, you know, once again, the onus is on the mayor and the city to show that there is no, nothing underground here. There's that, this is all above ground. The fact that they push this through, Uh, When the one vocal opponent was out of town with very little public notice, there's your second red flag. Something's going on here. Council member Lori uh, Soroya, the only Democrat on the council, has suggested the mayor has a conflict of interest as a restaurant investor and a friend of the main project developer, Corey Burstad. Now, he's a restaurant developer next to this. It's not like he built a baseball restaurant. Oh, and by the way, two years later, they're building some baseball fields. No, they're building baseball fields, and he's putting a baseball restaurant next to it. That is clearly a a bit of a conflict of interest. And the fact that he's now friends with Corey Burstead, the developer of the main project, another red flag. There are red flags all over this thing. I mean, there are red flags all over this thing. Soroya said the restaurant is perceived by many residents as an extension of the sports entertainment district. And it kind of sounds like by design, that's what it's, it's, it's supposed to look like. Kind of, you know, it's just part of the the thing. It just seems like we're holding the hands of this developer who happens to be the mayor's high school friend, she said in an interview. The city spokesperson said that that's inaccurate. They did not go to the same high school. <laughs> well, were they friends at high school? Because that can mean high school friends. Uh, the city spokesperson, the fact that the, you are trying desperately, they, it, 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 there's one way you can say this. Oh, they weren't friends back when they were in high school. That's not what you're saying. They didn't go to the same high school. Oh, okay. The project's powerful allies ex, uh, inviscerated Soroya, who says she's the first woman of color elected to the Blaine City Council. First woman of color. Keep that in mind. They they went after her for her opposition during the Monday council meeting. Vice Chair Jess Robertson told Soroya she didn't know how to do her job and suggested they take the argument out to the parking lot. What? So once again, all of this is about what you're about to hear is geared towards the first minority woman on the Blaine City Council. That seems like you crossed a line. Sanders recruits himself Monday for the agenda item about the restaurant he's investing in, but not for the larger sports development also on the agenda that would likely benefit the restaurant. Blaine City Attorney Tom Lunin said city policy requires council members to disclose any conflicts of interest and abstain from discussion and votes. Which red flag, another red flag here. Kaylee's Campbell and a handful of other project opponents at the meeting questioned whether it's ethical for the mayor to be the restaurant investor when the city is spending millions on an adjacent project. The restaurant permit bypassed the Blaine – here you go again. The restaurant permit bypassed the Blaine Planning Commission and went straight to the city council in March, but was back on the agenda Monday with the amendment to move the patio and live entertainment center. So basically, they didn't even go through their planning and zoning committee – they wanted to just skirt past that. And the only reason this was back on the agenda was because they're trying to, you know, you know, you know, get a patio and live entertainment element added to it. City planner Sheila Selman said the permit typically would go to Planning Commission first, red flag, but City Code allows some projects to go directly to the council, typically when no nearby residences would be effective. Um, they have apparently uh, other projects have bypassed this. Uh, over the last few years. A parade of Blaine residents testified in support of the mayor and his restaurant, prefacing their comments by saying how many years they've lived in Blaine and how many children they have and whether the kids play baseball. Uh, Okay. Some say the mayor's investment in the restaurant shows his commitment to the city, shows that he's, 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 he's ready to print some money. Michael Jordan, not that Michael Jordan, who lives in Blaine for 18 years, says the project is needed to keep entertainment dollars from leaking to nearby communities. Okay, dude, you've got the Blaine, you've got the National Sports Complex up there. <laughs> where do you think, where do you think else are they going to put this? I, you know, this that is that is a straw man argument if I've ever seen one. Oh, well, other communities will get this. Really? I don't know too many other places that have a massive sports complex already there. So, yeah, that just, you know, you might as well do it. You might as well do it and don't look into the mayor's connection to it because it might go someplace else. See, those are, those are two separate things. But uh, once again, I want to make sure the whole straw man argument of it could go someplace else. Uh, I mean, is anyone else considering something like this? I don't think so. Don Kvet- Kvetin, a chairman of Village Bank, said his bank is financing the restaurant. Um. I don't know what we're talking about. He's just opening a business, he said, because, okay, so bank guy. All right, I know your industry corrupt as hell sometimes. All right, so let me explain this to you. If you're the mayor of a town and you're directing taxpayer dollars to a specific project and then on the side, you're going to have a private business next to that project, which is tied undeniably to the project that you are identifying that you are going to build, that would seem like a conflict of interest. It would be like basically saying, hey, we're going to build a new Disney World in Minneapolis. Oh, and by the way, the mayor of the town is going to basically be in charge of all the the bus transportation to – they're going to have the the Disneyland bus service and they're going to own that and it's going to take all the people there. Well, there's clearly a conflict of interest there. And once again, fine. You can look at an amusement park or something like that and say there's going to be a benefit to the community. But then you can turn around very quickly and say – but you clearly have a mayor who's going to be making a lot of money off of this situation. And so to sit there and sort of say, these two things are separate, that this is just, this is just some guy, who, this is just Joe, he's trying to build a business. Yeah, come on, stop, Ayn Rand, I don't need your lecture. I can see there is so many red flags on this, it is not funny. But when we come back as well, let me talk about some of the comments that were made to the first minority woman on the Blaine City Council by the rest of the Republicans on that council. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Matt McNeil Show. Back to the story from Blaine, because and this is once again Minnesota Reformer, and it's an excellent piece. And Dina Winter once again hitting it out of the park, reporting the news. A lot of other people will ignore. Um, so going back to this, this is the banker who's who's basically arguing. You know why, what? You just tried to open a business. There, there, could not. His argument is, why would you even want to look to see if there's a conflict of interest here? You know, he's just—he's just a businessman because the mayor. This is a direct quote. Because the mayor doesn't wants to grow his financial condition because he's able to. We shouldn't be judging people on that, really. If they're fixing the system to where they get a massive advantage, that we shouldn't look into that. If they're approving a, if they're approving a sports complex because their buddy gets to build it and they get to build a restaurant next to it, we should probably look into that. I'm not saying that's the case, but. This is the problem you have. Unless there's a full investigation here, how do you know what the mayor is going to be doing? The banker continued. We should be applauding him because he leads and he wants to be part of this community. I think jealousy does nobody good in life. Uh, once again, a non—you know—just attack the individual because they're asking a legitimate question here. And once again, the onus as a guy that was on city councils in uh, boards in my pa- in my past. The onus is on the mayor to prove that there is zero conflict of interest. And right now, I can tell you right now, if this had come up between and boards I was on, there's no way in hell we would authorize this because it clearly seems to be some level of conflict of interest. We would need the mayor to explain more than just, it sucks to be you, sort of thing. Now, that's not saying that's what he said, but, you know, kind of get my point. You need to have above board conversations, Kevin Landry, who acknowledged he no longer lives in Blaine but does business there, said it's clear the mayor has enough friends on the council to get what he wants, but suggested he step away from the restaurant. I believe that it's unethical for the mayor to have business to make money off the city that he's supposed to be representing, Landry said. The council vice chair running the meeting in Sanders' absence, Robertson, chastised Landry for being disrespectful. When Soroya disagreed, Robertson got short with her. We're good, Robertson said sharply. (laughs) Once again... First minority woman on, the, on the, the city council of Blaine, and they are so talking down to her, so disrespecting her. It's not funny. Uh, Soroya, who pro- uh, said proponents of the restaurant project are being intimidate- uh, are using intimidation to try to shut down debate. Uh, proponents, uh, not opponents. Proponents of the restaurant are trying to shut down the debate. Soroya said a number of her questions remain unanswered, including whether the mayor signed the permit for his own restaurant. City clerk Kathy Sorensen said she, he did, <laughs> once again, another major red flag. The mayor apparently signed the permit for his own restaurant. Come on, man. And then the city clerk is out there saying, well, but that's just an automatically generated electronic default signature. Then you should have stopped it considering you knew the mayor was there and had someone who wasn't the mayor sign off on his own thing. What is this, Boss hog? Is this Hazard County, for God's sakes? Council member Chris Masegalic accused Soroya of making questions with the intent of smearing the mayor. Robertson, the vice chair, again became animated and lamented the Blaine City Council should be the elite of the community and decried personal attacks. Once again, the same guy who basically accused someone of being not being respectful. Um... Robertson then thanked the developers for investing in Blaine. It could have been Coon Rapids. No, it couldn't have. I'm pretty sure Coon Rapids probably didn't have this out there. You're just saying that. Unless you do you have a plan that was Coon Rapids was going to be this development? Because I'm going to guess there wasn't one. Soroya said the council set a dangerous precedent by calling her questions smears. You will not intimidate me into silence, she said. Robertson banged her gavel. Accusing Soroya of insulting city staff, when she, which she called the dumbest, most asinine thing ever. If you don't know what your job is, learn it. Once again, this is white Republican City Council Blaine talking to the first minority member of the city council. If you don't know what your job is, learn it. Wow, you racist jackasses. <laughs> and you can say to me, well, that's not racist. no. You sure sound racist. You sound like, you sure sound like a bunch of racists up there. I'm just going to say it. And especially, it should be noted, we're saying this as when they get people to come to that national sports complex, they get a lot of minority kids coming up there to play soccer, right? Of course they do. It's part of their image. You come up here, we don't, we're not out there. We're not we're not telling anyone that they can or can't be here. We invite all people up here to play, but you get someone on the city council who's not, you know, Republican or white and this is how they get treated? And once again, everyone on this city council should be saying, "Okay, mayor, we need to make sure we have this on the up and up." And clearly, clearly the city council seems to be in the bag for the mayor at this point. Um if you don't know what your job is, learn it. this is this is basically just shouting down the one minority voice on the city council. The mayor turned to her an agenda item financing the overall sports development. After Soroya noted she was the only council member asking questions about the project at the meeting, Robinson chided her saying she asked her questions out of public view. So basically saying, I'm not going to uh, uh, the public doesn't need to see my legitimate questions I have for this event or the, for this development. Soria asked whether properties would be taken over by the city to make way for the project and was told the city is looking to acquire four properties. Is negotiating for two of them? Okay, another red flag. Are you going to imminent domain two properties there? I mean, I I find it funny because these all seem to be right-wing conservatives. How many of these people are like, drain the swamp, get out the corruption, and then you have this whole thing and like, you know, someone's questioning it, which is what they claim that they want to do, and Yeah. You've got four properties you want to acquire. They're negotiating for two of them. Does that mean two of them have already sold? Does it mean you're going to eminent domain two of them? What are you doing? The mayor said the project will create town center and capture spending by the National Sports Center's 7 million annual visitors. Once again, that's not a question. The fact that your restaurant will take advantage of those as you make this development, that's the question. Conflict of interest. This is truly a remarkable project, Sanders says. It will likely, it will really kind of restore the balance of power in the metro area, putting the North Metro back on the map and saying we're worth investing in. Didn't we just author I mean, for God's sake, go listen to the tapes. How many times have I talked about we re- need to completely redo 65 through Blaine? I mean, you're you're not you're not some you know bastard stepchild here, Blaine. You you've got people who have been fighting, and as a matter of fact, I believe thanks to the Democrats, you're actually going to get some work done up on that that Central Avenue corridor. So, good there. Uh, Soraya was the only member to vote against a preliminary financing plan for the sports project. Soraya said in an interview that Robinson treats her even worse behind closed doors. The council is expected to have a rubber stamp. This Robertson sounds just like, you know, you know, dear Lord, does, you know, sound horrible. It's just the good old boys club, she says. I have thick skin and I don't get intimidated easy. Robertson, I mean, I'm sorry, Robertson needs to be admonished clearly just from from what you've seen here in in this meeting the the Robertson the vice chair should be admonished and she should have to publicly apologize to how she's treating this other city council member and i guarantee you my suggesting that probably sends Robertson into a rage how dare you make me apologize to her you know that sort of thing i i'm i'm going to take a guess that that's probably where she's at. Um, but yeah, this is, this is wildly out of, out of line. And once again, I want to go back to the, the earlier comment, Jess Robertson told story she didn't know how to do her job, suggested they make the argument out in the parking lot. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm sorry, I am reading this. As I read this from the, the, the Minnesota reformer, How do you take this any other way outside of city council being racist to the one first minority city council member? Because it sure sounds like it. And how there's this entire narrative in the entire thing about, you know, how dare you question us? Wow. Boy, it sure sounds like a great place to go and spend your money. And maybe this is what maybe this is what we need to do. Maybe we need to point out to the minorities of the metro area who Blaine desperately needs to come up there and use their sports complexes. This is how the city council treats the first minority person on the city council, "You really want to go up there and spend money?" I'm just asking that question. That's all I'm asking. I'm only asking the question because it sounds like in closed doors, it's worse. And this is atrocious. I mean, if any, I'm thinking about when I was on the, my, the the one committee. If anyone spoke like this to another person, they would have been booted off the committee. And this is ugly, what is going on up in Blaine. And it makes me really wonder what is going on behind the scenes. I think there's clearly enough here to put up red flags, that if a city council was actually looking out for the taxpayers and looking out for the people, they would put the brakes on this and demand the mayor explain some things here. I would say that. I don't know how you read through this and don't take this as a racist attack on the one city council member. I don't know how you do that. I, 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 it really does seem like the, the dismissive, insultive, and as they basically, what was, what was the comment that, that they said to the one guy? Um, Chastise Landry for being disrespectful. Robertson, look in the freaking mirror, you jackass. Look in the mirror, you, dis- you disrespectful jackass. Seriously, how dare you sit out there and go out there like, you're being disrespectful. Have you listened to any of the audio of what you said
2: here? Because it sounds like you're pretty disrespectful.
0: Wow. I read this and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this is how the first minority member of the city council in Blaine is being treated openly in public. I cower to think at what these jackasses are saying to her behind closed doors. I guarantee you it's not pretty. I guarantee you it's ugly. But that's Blaine. So would you want to spend your money there? Would you want to have your kid's soccer team go up there and play? Just saying. That's just a question. It's a legitimate one to ask. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Dear Lord, Lane. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. So I want to make sure really quick. I want to make sure very clearly here. There seems to be enough red flags here that this mayor should at least do his due diligence and basically in public show that this isn't a, you know, because the, the, you know, there seriously seems to be a conflict of interest here with this restaurant. Oh, and by the way, my buddy's going to be, you know, developing all this land that's going to be tied directly to, you know, the, the theme of the restaurant is tied directly to this development. So that clearly seems to be a conflict of interest, but it's the insane once again reading from the Minnesota reformer if those comments were the ones that were said holy gosh, that is a that's that that's what racism on a city council looks like If that's what was said and i i mean i can't the, the jackassery of this robertson i mean to 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 the way that as as she demands you need to treat us with respect we're the city council <clears throat> then treating a member of the city council as disrespectfully as she did the first minority member of the city council, by the way, and apparently, according to that one city council member, gets talked to a lot worse behind closed doors. <laughs> I think we all see what's going on here. I think we all see what's going on. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, that, let's get into the flags. <laughs> the flags. Speaking of seeing what's going on, um, there's been a lot of pictures of the flag. Patrick, uh, have you yourself seen the six flag, uh, finalists
1: that are out there? I have looked at them. Yes. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on them? Well, uh, the finalist that I wanted to be there was not there. I wanted the, uh, the North star flag. It's the one with the yellow star, kind of the wavy white. It, it mm. you, you'll. You'll recognize it. when Was you- the star
0: up in the corner, and they had the line, and yeah. they had the green mm-hmm. and blue? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was a good one, too. As a matter of fact, I was surprised that one didn't make it uh, into the final rounds. Um, I will say I think they've got gold with the state seal, uh, the one with the loon uh, and the water and trees and crops. Uh, the, and it says the great seal of the state of Minnesota, 1858. I think that looks like gold. That is, as a matter of fact, I think most people I've talked to have said, yeah, that one stands out. That one looks really good. I think so. Uh, that. So that's the seal is done. The flag is, um, yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the yeah, actually, one of the flags that was the final six, that yours was there. It just did not make it. Um I was a little surprised by some of the flags that did make it, though. They, they, I, I think of the flags that they narrowed the list down to. Now, first of all, I'm not, you know, this was always going to be about personal, you know, likes. These final ones were going to be about personal likes. Of the ones that got there, I think the snowflake slash star one, where it's in the middle and it's a snowflake and a star on a blue background I think that that one is hands down the best of them. Now that's just my personal opinion, but I think of the remaining ones that is hands down the best of the remaining ones.
1: I think the only one of the final six that I won't say I hate it, but I would go, I would hope they don't pick that one. It's the one With the large star up in the corner, and kind of the I don't know if those are trees or what kind of I don't know kind of the
0: triangle, like a kid's game, you know, you know, where they, they basically use very base shapes to make some trees. And yeah, I'm I didn't I didn't that one kind of missed for me too. Um, the one with the wave on it, the blue wave. That matches up with a white wave on the top of it with a star in the left corner. It's kind of interesting, but still I think that of the remaining ones, just my personal choice is the snowflake star. That one looks the best. And once again, one of the things we've talked about is a state flag does not have to be busy. Take a look at South Carolina's blue background, a crescent and a palm tree, and that's it. That's
1: what their entire thing is. Yep, and keep in mind too; these are not the final six. They can take and mix and match elements of these six to make a new flag. Uh,
0: the 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 the. And by the way, it's a palmetto tree. I know, I know, palm tree, palmetto tree. That's the official thing. Um. Okay, so I, I look at this now. I want to say, I don't think, and I posted this yesterday. Of course, when you get down to the final ones, they're going to be the contrarians. But there is one out there that I I think people are kind of tongue-in-cheek saying they like it. It's the one of the big head of the loon. Now, this is not laser loon shooting Wisconsin or something like that. It's just this very large loon head I got a I got a bookmarked here. Let me let me pull it up here. I believe there was a North Star up in the corner
1: of it as well.
0: Yeah, something of that effect. Yeah, it's it's got in the upper uh, upper right corner, up the upper right corner. So to give you, a, I try to explain this since radio. Hey, welcome welcome to my world. Um, the loonhead basically dominates the entire thing. It is massive. It takes up basically top to bottom of the flag. On the left side of the flag, yeah, excuse me, you're, you're right. The left, right side is where the, uh, the, the star is. The, the, the left side of the flag is the loon head with a big red loon eye. The beak goes all the way across to the other side of the flag and splits the flag in two. And the lower part of the la- flag looks like light blue for water. The top is is dark blue, which looks like the sky with a star, an eight-pointed star up in the upper right-hand corner. Um, there's a lot of people that say uh, it's, it's that this is where it is. This is, it's where it began, where it ended. And I just want to make sure I say for the record, once again, I've I've posted this this morning. If you made this, the state flag, as much as people are screaming, like, oh, this is the best one by far. This should be the one we use. This should be it. Oh, this is the best one. If you did this, it's a parody joke. It's sure. Initially you're going to be like, yes, yes. And for a few weeks, you're going to go walk around like, look at our flag. It's going to be great. And six months later, you still might get a little bit of a chuckle out of it. But I guarantee you in three years, in three years when you're looking at this flag, every one of the people who are insisting that flag should be the flag right now will be the ones like, who in the, who in the state decided to make that the flag? It really is that the loons did not make the final cut outside on the state seal. But uh, on the flags, the loons did not make the cut. I will say that it just it it's it's it it. I get what you're trying to do. Hey, make a cool T-shirt. Whoever designed this sucker, I don't know who has the rights to it, but make a cool T-shirt. It will be something that's iconic and lasts forever. But it's you don't want to make that your state flag because it's a joke that would get very old very quick. Okay, it would. I mean, there's plenty of other ones. The, the surfing Sasquatch one, you know. Yeah. Yes, it's goofy. It's it. It's a joke. You put it up there. It's a one-time joke. It's like Bodie McBoatface. Well, yeah, but Bodie McBoatface is the name of the boat. And do you think anyone's laughing still today about Bodie McBoat? Okay, maybe it might be a little bit laughing, but there. I mean, no one on the boat is like, oh, yeah, what a great joke. As a matter of fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, they actually did give it a second name, so it doesn't have to go by Bodie McBoatface. I'm not mistaken, but. uh the, you know, it's you know, people get into this as like a one-time joke, and then all of a sudden, they're the ones who are like, "Oh, who is the fool that would 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 okay this? Who would the, be the fool that would want to do this?" I, uh, you know, I, I guess the point is is that you know, just I you you weren't part of the the flag ceremony. I wasn't part of the flag ceremony. Is my favorite flags? Are they represented in the final group? No, they weren't. I think I think I like the star.
1: Snowflake one. I did like that one. I'm not sure I like that one, though. Oh, you just admit you wanted the photo of the dog like so many other people did. <laughs> okay. All right. First of all, uh, I, can, I can tell
0: you exactly why. that, that uh, How many people don't own a dog in the state? How many people own cats in the state? You're not exactly speaking for the majority of people. Now, that being said, who does look like a little good boy? Who's a good boy? But if you want that flag, there is companies out there that will take your dog and put it on a flag and you can put it on your house. I've seen it. I got a neighbor that's got one of their dog. It's cute, but it's not the state flag. The the fact and and okay, and I know that when people are saying that, they're kind of tongue in cheeking with the dog. I know that, but I've been shocked at the giant loon head version. How many people are like, "No, this was clearly the best one. Why aren't we doing it?" Well, There is a very valid point, by the way, to, you know, to not include them. You remember yesterday I said, you know, you know, we, we clearly, they made the flag in 1858 and now we can clearly see the racist undertones of that flag and it's cluttered and it's not a good looking flag. We clearly can see that. The reality is, is we're going to pick this flag and in 150 years, someone's probably going to look at it and say, oh my gosh, can you believe that they actually authorized that flag? it could be the case. If you put a loon on the flag, there's a lot of people that are speculating loons won't even be in the state in 50 years because the climate is changing so much, it's going to be too warm for them down here. So that would be like having a wolverine on our our, our state flag. Used to be wolverines in the state, not anymore. You know, it'd be like, I mean, I guarantee a guarantee of moose will not be in the state anymore either. You know, it's just, you 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 if you add it you have a flag. I mean, it's got to be something that's going to stay on the test of time. And if we quite literally have got climate change so out of control to where it's going to warm up to where the loons aren't even going to be here, then what's the point of having the loon on the flag? Now, that that aside, once again, long-term focus there, it's it, it's kind of goofy, and that's why I think some people like it. But trust me when I say this, a lot of people who are like, yeah, this is the best flag— I guarantee you in three or four years, they're like, I still can't believe they authorized that as the flag. It's not going to be considered. None of the loons made it, not even laser loon. That didn't make it. Um, Sasquatch didn't make it. That one bizarre Chinese one, which I thought was fantastic, but really weird. That one didn't make it. And I'll give Patrick credit here. That one, I like that one that had the star on the upper left, the white wavy line, blue and green. I thought that was a solid endeavor, but they didn't go with that one. We see what's left. And just once again, in my personal belief, my personal belief, the Snowflake Star one, where it's centered in the middle on just a blue background, although some people have said maybe the blue background needs to be changed a little bit. I don't know if they're meaning darker or lighter, but needless to say, that I, I think of the remaining ones, if we have to choose one of those, that's the one that looks like it's the best option no no notes on the state seal. Go with that Loon one. That is sensational. And as a matter of fact, some people have said, could you put that on the flag? It's a little busy to be on the flag, I think, but it is an excellent design. I mean, the state seal of Minnesota, I would buy, if that becomes a state seal of Minnesota, I'd buy a shirt with that state seal on it. That is a solid, solid design on that one. 952-946-6205. I will expect... Thanksgiving weekend. I'm about to get inundated with Matt. You don't get it, Matt. (laughs) I don't. You're right. I don't. Happy holidays. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. (music) AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Native Roots Radio, I'm awake. They are live right after my show. Make sure you stick around for that. Best show. I can't tell you how proud I am to be the lead-in for that show. They are a fantastic show. Native Roots Radio, 5 o'clock hour, right here on AM 950. Badrick, put on your headset. Let's chat here because we have, it is Thanksgiving Um, what is rank for us right now, Patrick, this is the Patrick list, rank for us your top three food items for Thanksgiving? Uh, stuffing. Stuffing is number one. All right.
1: Now, can I, if I may diverge for a quick second, what kind of stuffing? Just a traditional stuffing? Yeah, just a traditional stuffing. And I'll, I'll, uh. I'll throw the caveat. This is actually not in any particular order. It's mashed potatoes and gravy. Okay, fine. That's number 1. Okay. Then we'll go the stuffing. <laughs> um and then we will go with the macaroni and cheese. Mac and
0: cheese. Now, are we talking homemade mac and cheese? That's right. Damn. Man, I love a good mac and cheese. You don't get it that much up here. I think I I I I think that that's a crime. I think that that's a crime. Uh, uh, gosh. I'm now now I'm having I just had some mac and cheese in New Orleans, which was just, I don't know what the cheese blend was, but it was like, holy cow, it took like three bites, it was
1: all gone. It's kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, very polarizing. We have people who are like, there is absolutely no place for mac and cheese at the Thanksgiving table, but mm. I don't discriminate. I actually I just, quite enjoy it.
0: I think mac and cheese is fantastic. And I mean, the South has got a lot of good things you could add in there. Nothing, hey, throw in some collard greens. I'm all over that action. Um all right, so you got uh, stuffing, mac and cheese, uh, p- mashed potatoes for stuffing, than mac and cheese. All right, uh, for me, um, mashed potatoes and gravy. I I'm kind of with you on that. That's just. Is there anything more, you know, fulfilling home cooked meal than you? You are home. These are homemade potatoes, right? Absolutely. Oh, okay. It's not a out of a microwave or a powder or out of box. You get some potatoes. I. I uh, boil up the potatoes. I actually boil the potatoes in with a little bit of garlic in the water. It gives a nice little garlicly, a little little bit of a garlicly fa- flavor in there. Uh, drain them. Put them on the the heat for a second to dry them out a little bit. Uh, half and half butter, salt, pepper. Oh, I, I had to. I really got to test the arm yesterday mashing the vat o potatoes, but I got them done. Uh, yeah, number one on my hit parade. Two green bean casserole. I'm sorry. It is. It is just. God, you take. You take a bite of it. You take a bite of it, and you're like, "Yeah, yes."
1: Green bean casserole. Fantastic. It's not my top three, but that will be there tomorrow. For I
0: me. I have actually a three color. <laughs> I got a three-color green bean casserole because there were not enough green beans when I went to the green bean casserole to get them. So I've got organic ones, which were different color than the ones original frozen ones. And then I had to use two cans. So I've got three different colored cans of green beans in there. They're all fine. Just enjoy.
1: Well, you should write a blog post with a recipe with like a two-hour long story before you get no, to the No, I'm not
0: going to do that. Just read the back of the fried onion container. That's all you need. That's It's, it's right there. come on don't mess with classics uh number three um the turkey i'm sorry the turkey it done right delicious uh enjoy your thanksgiving drive safe listen please drive safe be careful this holidays keep your patience about you if you have to travel have a wonderful thanksgiving thanks to patrick and brett and chad here at the station and jane as well thanks to all of them thankful for you. I'm incredibly thankful for that you guys spend your time with us. so Thank you very much. We got best of shows on Thursday and Friday. We are back with the live show on Monday. Have a long weekend and enjoy yourself till Monday. See ya!